0: Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Creil, and today I'm joined by the two Pauls, Paul Chalk and Paul Third, both experts in their fields, those fields being football in the north of Scotland and Aberdeen and football in the northeast of Scotland. How are we, guys? Yeah, good, Ryan. Thank you. Good, thanks. see everybody have up by calling specialists, <laughs> and we're only, what, 27 seconds in this week's episode. So we've got a lot to discuss today. We've got Aberdeen. They've had two games over the last week since we last spoke. They had their first leg clash with Breedablik of Iceland over in Iceland, which they won 3-2. It wasn't without um, complication that evening, I wouldn't say. Um, They also managed to beat Livingston 2-1 at the weekend with a late Jack McKenzie goal. We'll also have to discuss Ross County's uh, heavy defeat against Hibs at Easter Road. Inverness is sort of late win against Wraith Rovers, um, away from home in the Championship to keep up their perfect start, plus we've got the results of Cove Rangers, Peterhead and Elgin City to talk about as always, but first, Paul, Paul (laughs) 3rd. Stephen Glass made a lot of changes, didn't he, for the game at Livingston following their midweek um, efforts in Iceland. Yeah. Will he make those many changes again, do you think, this season?
1: I hope not. Um, I found myself looking at the team line thinking, how many changes is too many? Because it was half a dozen at uh, the Tony Macaroni Arena, the best-named stadium in Scotland. Um, With Lewis Ferguson missing out, putting Scott Brown on the bench alongside Christian Ramirez, who is going for his first away game, having scored four goals in four games since he arrived from America, they were the two big calls. For me, uh, And I think the fact that Brown was on b- before time, albeit due to the injury to Johnny Hayes, spoke volumes of how the first half had gone for the Dons. It was disjointed, there was lacking in real tempo there, and the Livingston goalkeeper had been untested completely in the first half. So, and as we saw, that was probably something they really needed to be doing early.
0: There's a, a couple of factors at play here, I suppose. The first one being that some of the players that came in, given it's still early in the season, they won't be fully match sharp like the players that have basically played every game under Glass this term up until now. Um, the second factor is possibly that obviously you get one chance in these ties in Europe, but you get two chances really—you get your home and away legs. But in the league, it's a you know it's a marathon, not a sprint, as they say. And was Glass maybe sort of prioritizing the the home leg against the Icelanders, um, coming up on Thursday?
1: Would you say? I had that in the back of my mind, but when we asked him about it after the game, he was adamant. It wasn't so much this Thursday's game in the back of his mind, but last week, because I don't think they got back to Aberdeen from Reykjavik until about half three in Friday morning. So you're not doing an awful lot on the Friday, and then I guess you're heading down on the Saturday after a light session to to play, prepare for this game on the Sunday. So he clearly looked, it was a heavy pitch. He mentioned that. He keeps making the point too. He doesn't like talking about these things because it sounds like he's making excuses but he's just saying there was factors that you had to really weigh up when looking at his team and thinking well do I really want to push these guys through another one after a late night a late return and then a wee game sitting on the bus no I think I'll, I'll I'll freshen it up but yes the flip side of that is you're freshened up in terms of fresh legs in the team, but it's rusty legs at the same time. And I think that really showed in the first half display. In
0: terms of the goals, just to, to go through them, first of all, um, Bruce Anderson, obviously it was inevitable that having left the Dons in the summer for Livingston that he would score in the first game against his former club. I think it's safe to say, I don't think there'll be any debate, there's no point in coming to you here, that it was an awful goal from the Dons' perspective. They've had a warning before where the person I noticed was Teddy Jenks not really tracking back properly and that there was a save Joe Lewis had to make it his near post and that was that was their kind of warning and then um the Anderson goal was it was sort of just like a, a ball that got to get headed back into the box. And then Anderson's just in front of Lewis. Lewis comes, doesn't get there quick enough and Anderson just flicks it over the top of him. Um but yeah, the Dons get back into the game with there. Well, their first goal was Jenks, who I've obviously criticised, but um, <laughs> fair play to him, uh, taking what was a pretty, um, it was an opportunity that just sort of fell in his lap at the edge of the box, but you've still got to strike it well and show the confidence to hit it. I suppose many players are try to put a foot in the ball and do something else with it, but he just lashed it home um, superbly, so not bad for him on his first start for the team Um, and then of course we know what happened at the end of the game very late on, sparked mad scenes of celebration among the away fans but uh, Jack McKenzie taking a a pot shot to the uh, the Livingston keeper should have probably held I think it would be fair to say but allowed it to squirm through his hands and over the goal line um, to secure the three points Uh, who, Who impressed you of the players that maybe did come in all at Livingston. Dylan McGeech, I think I saw in your match report, um, had a pretty high rating. Jack McKenzie as well for his confidence, despite being young, despite being a left-back, despite, I think, not having scored in something like three years, he said. Um, but yeah, it's it, were, they, were they the ones that stood out?
1: Yeah, that, I mean, there were three, I think, for me. Um, and you've, you've named two of them. McGeech, I mean, I, I look at Dylan McGeech and he finished last season quite strongly for Aberdeen under Stephen Glass. And I was hoping to see him continue where he left off this season, but he's had to be patient because clearly you've got Scott Brown come in there and uh, Lewis Ferguson always seems to be one of the first names on the team sheet when fit, regardless of who his manager has been. Um, So Dylan's had to be patient, uh, but he did have another good game for the Dons on Sunday. He's played with Brown previously at Celtic and when the team captain arrived on the pitch, you could see that understanding really click back into gear between the two of them and they went on to dominate that second half. As for Jack McKenzie, well, what can we say? It was it, it was a scrapbook goal, but as by the sounds of it, I don't think we should be holding our breath for another one anytime soon. Um, it's it, it's interesting because Calvin Ramsey's the the younger one of the two, and he's dominated the headlines due to his deliveries in the box, I guess. But McKenzie's an excellent defender, and that's what we're seeing. He's a, he's a couple of years older. He looks a bit stronger physically. But clearly, Aberdeen have got two very good fullbacks on their books, which brings me to my third name that I, I thought was worth a mentioning, and that's Jack Gurr. He's the older of the three, I think he's 25. He came in from Atlanta United with not a lot of um, fanfare, shall we say. He's very good going forward. He's It's very impressive when you see him. He's transition from defence to attack with the ball at his feet as well is excellent. It's going to be a real feature to look for in the games where he does play in the, in the months ahead.
0: Plenty of competition there at right back this season so far. Um, okay, Breedy blick on Thursday. The Dons are 3-2 up. Um, after the first leg, they obviously went 2-0 up in that game then then were pegged back to 2-2 with a sort of... Uh, Let's just say, um, th- they're defending. wasn't maybe up to much. In the second part of the first half in Iceland, and then they get a goal back, a winner through Christian Ramirez over there, and then. We come to Thursday's second leg. The Breedablet coach, he sounds pretty confident that they can, can do a job in Aberdeen and get through to that uh, playoff round clash against either Karabag of Azerbaijan or AEL Limassol of Cyprus. What do you think, Paul? Do you think the Dons
1: will do it? I think so. Um, I can't see them being so generous defensively as they were in Reykjavik. Although uh, the interesting thing for me will be what Stephen Glass's approach to this game is. He's been very much on the front foot yeah. in every match. So far, um, but he was forced to change his team for the first time when he went to uh, a back three for the second half in Iceland, and I, I think he might be tempted to start with that because it was only when Aberdeen did that that they really got a grip of the game and controlled Breidablik to the point that they didn't offer anything in terms of a, an attacking threat in the second half. Yes, uh, the Black boss is, is optimistic from what he's seen in the first leg, but I think a packed Betondry is going to bring the sort of game that this Icelandic team is not used to playing, and I can see it being two or three 0 at the Dons.
0: Yeah, I thought his uh, his words were already when he described them. I think as basically playing no football at all last Thursday were a bit harsh. Yeah, as you said, there, I think the interesting thing will be whether Stephen Glass goes with what I suppose will be expected, which is how the Dons finished the game. Um, last week with that three at the back system, which allowed them to get so the forward players with the ball high up the pitch, the hedges McGeech and sort of keep keep the Icelandic side up there, or whether you know he, he goes with what they they tried from the start, which is that usual attacking system. They play. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it would be best to keep it simple as opposed to trying to call the Icelandic teams and Bluff. Uh, okay, Wraith, it should be mentioned as well. They, they're coming up on Saturday. Well, I think, to be fair, the Dons are going there. But uh, that's the, Scottish, the League Cup opener for Aberdeen this season. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes against Championship Opposition. We'll discuss Wraith shortly when we talk about Inverness. But next up, we'll discuss Ross County's Premiership defeat at Easter Road against Hibbs. Now, all your Christmases have come at once here because despite not being here for the start of the podcast, Andy Skinner has has blessed us with his presence. To, he was at Easter Road on Saturday for Ross County's heavy loss to the, the high bees. Um Andy, hello, how are you first of all?
2: I'm uh, better late than never. Um, uh, good thanks, yeah. I uh, was just uh, caught off the hopper we put there, but uh, now I'm, I'm in. <laughs>
0: It's okay, and for the listeners' um, benefit, Andy is on a late shift today, he hasn't just slept in until 1 o'clock in the afternoon when we're recording this. Um, So, Hibbs's early play and movement, I think it was clear to see, Andy, that it was too much for Ross County, they had had a few warnings before... um, before they did concede the goal they did concede was a bit a bit unfortunate. Um from Hibbs' perspective, Martin Boyle's shot taking a big deflection and looping over Laidlaw, but with a second and third goal for me, Harry Payton, I think was the one you saw noticeably get strolled past in midfield far too easily. Um and then it eventually leads to Kill McGinnis getting a pretty free header, and then again in the box, there's no challenge on Dodge, I think, from New County Skipper. Keith Watson of all people for the, the third goal. Uh, yeah, they're still still fragile at the back. Would that be safe to say?
2: Yeah, I think there was a mixture of Hibs being in really good attacking form throughout the first half and you know, form that you know a lot of teams might have struggled to come up against. Um, you know, teams higher up the the, the table than than County finished last season. But you know, there was also that soft centre that maybe exposed itself um after the, the loss of the first goal um it was very fortuitous obviously the the strike from Boyle which spun off Jordan Tilson i think and uh, looped over Ross Laidlaw but from that moment on Hibbs just grew in confidence and, and County couldn't cope with it um they'll be disappointed at losing two goals from from headers inside the box uh, just from cross balls that came in um and i think it was it was clear that County were by that stage just on a on a mission to keep the score down to three to nil, um both at half before half time and you know throughout the, the second half when I suppose they did look to try and claw something back. But um you know it was noticeable that Malky Mackay made two changes at half time and I think he's been desperate to try and just you know bring some freshness to the team uh and and bring some competition that can can have you know the starting 11 really on its toes which was something that was maybe lacking in the the you know the previous weeks that they they have played um, you know it's been pretty much the the starting 11 have been the 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 guys that have been available to him so um i think you know over the coming weeks they will stand to benefit from from a bit of that you know extra competition for for places
0: how are you feeling about the new signings um, looking good.
2: Yeah, well, it was it was a bench that was peppered with them. Really, there were five in total that had just come in that week that were on the bench, so only three of them could come on. And the two that were introduced at half time, Harry Clark um, came on for Carl Donaldson at half time, and he was probably the the pick of the bunch in terms of what he brought defensively. Just looked really strong, brave on the ball, um, and you know was always keen to. To you know, make tackles and and try and thwart Hibbs at uh, at source, which was the best way of stopping them really, because they you know they can play some really nice balls in behind, which County had struggled with a few times in the first half. So I think there's there's definite um you, you know encouragement to to be seen from his defensive performance. Um, Jack Burrows came on and I, I like the look of him as well, uh, ball carrying midfielder who you know liked to try and. Um, you know, bring the the play further forward. He had a couple of shots from long range. One of them didn't uh, uh, wasn't too far away from finding the the net. But uh, no, looks like a a lively midfield presence. But you know, he was also telling us after the game that he's quite versatile and can comfortably slot in at the the fullback position as well. Uh, David Kinkolak him on later in the game, so it was difficult to to glean too much from his performance, but. In the, in the 15 minutes or so he was on the pitch he looked quite comfortable on the ball and uh, certainly always wanted the ball you know he was a, a lively midfield presence who you know was keen to to try and make things happen so I, I think there's there's encouragement there there's now two well two weeks after that game um before they they play rangers in their their next fixture a week on saturday so there's um a bit of time for for Malky to to get these guys on the training ground and um, really sort of coach what he is looking to to uh, to get out of that one, uh, as far as their game plan goes. So uh, you know, he will be keen, I think, in that time to probably bring in a few more, as he's hinted towards. But um, you know, he's he's just going to try and string it all together into a a game plan now for that uh, tough encounter.
0: Well done and resisting the urge to say that David Cancola was fizzing the ball around the park. Uh, we had a stronger man (laughs) than I am. Uh, Paul Chalk fresh from breathing a huge sigh of relief that he didn't have to unexpectedly take on the Ross County section of this week's podcast. You watched Inverness, Paul. I did, yeah. Two league games and two games that Cali Thistle have not run away with. They've won them both 1-0 against Arbroath and then on Saturday against Wraith Rovers but they're clearly A, resilient under a new boss, Billy Dodds and the goal they did win it with on Saturday wasn't
3: too bad either. It wasn't bad, was it? Roddy McGregor and uh, Roddy scored uh, against Stirling Albion in the Premier Sports Cup as as well and um, uh, Billy Dodds was saying that he spoke to Roddy the the night before just saying that he'd played a a, a wide role against Arbroath which isn't really... um, his best position, if you like, he likes to be through the through the middle. Um, but he got the opportunity from the the bench. He says Roddy handled that discussion pretty well. So when the time came and and it needed that little bit of a spark, it was that kind of game, Uh, the conditions, the monsoon conditions that we've seen throughout the the north of Scotland in recent days, it certainly hit Inverness on Saturday afternoon and that that didn't help both teams. But uh, there were plenty of opportunities, but you just were waiting for something to happen. and, And Roddy, he's just full of confidence um, he linked up really well with uh, Shane Sutherland and Manny Duku, and uh, yeah, hit an absolute screamer, or a, a rocket into the, the net, and that was that was the one uh, that earned three points. But Billy Dodd saying after the game, I think it's important that throughout this campaign, he feels that you might actually play well out of maybe six games. Like really, really, be saying we were we kind of bossed that game. The rest of them will be games where you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and dig in deep. And maybe come away with a, a 1-0 victory and I think back-to-back clean sheet really delighted the manager and um, Manny Duku, who, who we spoke to afterwards as well um, uh, given the, the nature of the goals they conceded in, in the Cup when they lost of course three at, at Cove Rangers as well which was the alarming one out, out, out of the group but uh, yeah Cali so now out of action for a couple of weeks before United come to the Highlands and I think um, there's a, a a real kinda of confident mood only three teams are sitting in maximum points after the first fortnight and Inverness are one of them.
0: We discuss this on the podcast all the time when teams are on winning runs, but unlike the, the Ross County situation where Andy's saying they can get on the training pitch and they can, you know, work on things that are maybe been lacking in their, their first couple of games. With with Inverness it's the the opposite feeling, isn't it, Paul? Yeah. That they, they wish they could just keep playing games and keep churning out results.
3: I think you're right. In some respects, you're right. Although Billy Dodds did say that he feels that, although there are only two league games into the season, that the break does come at a good time because the the games do come thinking fast in in the Cup. And I think the fact that they're out of the Cup, um, you know, will give them the the legs a little rest before this here United game. So um, they can still... Work on improving their creativity a, a wee bit. Um, they would like to maybe kill teams off a little. That's um, I, I, you know it took a, a while to get over the line against Wraith Rovers, but um no. It, the, the main thing has been defensively sound and Wraith Rovers after their alarming four goal um concession against Hamilton the the previous week. They, they come up to Inverness determined to be much tighter and make things difficult for Cali Thistle and I think Aberdeen might be up against that this weekend in the Cup and for Cali Thistle they've learned the lessons from those Cup ties so uh, it's a bit of both I would say Ryan, they're grateful for having the weekend off but uh, yeah when you're on the winning run, run you're wanting that momentum to carry on but at least when the games do come back it's a home game against a, a team that I think people would look to Cali Thistle for, for get the three points against Aaron United um, um, so yeah, no, it's an upbeat mood and in Inferness, and, and Billy Dodd's uh, really happy with the, the balance of his team right now. And, um, Billy McKay's waiting in the, the wings. He spoke last week about being fit and available. He's he's almost there, which is why he was on the bench, not quite match fit. He'll probably get some more bounce game action, um, in between times, and, um, Lewis Jamieson, of course, who's come in from St Mirren, is another attacking option who we'll, uh, we'll hopefully see in the coming weeks.
0: OK, so we'll leave the north of Scotland now. We've discussed Aberdeen, we've discussed Inverness, and we've discussed Ross County. Um, so that, that ties up our teams and the, the Premiership and Championship. Next, we'll move into League 1 and League 2 territory. Right, Um, starting with League One, Cove Rangers with, uh, I think it's a a draw and a loss so far for Cove Rangers now, went down 2-0 to Queen's Park away from home at the weekend, their first defeat of the campaign, extra sore because it's against another team that we're expecting to compete, Um, certainly for the playoffs in League One this year, if not for the the title. Um, It's a relatively even start. From the sides, Cove had plenty of half chances in the early going, but the, the incident that really changed the game for Cove was uh, Fraser 5e getting a straight red card for a, a an act uh, Paul Hartley a tackle. should I say that? Uh, Paul Hartley called a moment of madness on halfway just before the break. Uh, it didn't look like a challenge Fivey necessarily had to make. Uh, I think the player the Queen's Park player was actually moving towards his own goal. Um, and that really changed the feel of the game in the second half. That sort of Simon Murray scored a free kick, a cross goal free kick. It was quite nice, quite a nice strike, to be fair. And um, before seconds later, Cove keeper Kyle Gourley hit a, a poor clearance um, straight to Bob McHugh. I think it was whose shot was then fluffed sort of by Gourley into the net. So it was a, a two two goals conceded in that's a very um, not a very big period of time. And then that was that was kind of all she wrote. Uh guys, when when will Cove kick into gear this season? I mean it's kind of been kinda of been up and down a little bit. We've talked a few times about them still needing to get their players' match fit. They've got East Fife at home this weekend. Is that is that the one thirty? Is that the one where they'll they'll win and they'll just keep winning after
1: that? Will they win? That that question I can't answer. Um I, <laughs> I I have a little theory on this and I don't think it's a coincidence that the two teams on our patch who have really struggled to get going so far are Ross County and Cove Rangers. Now, they're also the two teams who have really been impacted quite heavily by COVID in pre-season. And I think we're seeing two clubs in their respective divisions that are undercooked so far. I think that might be a fair comment. I don't know how the other guys feel about that. But certainly... In, in terms of Cove, they've had their their preparations and their start of the season could not have been tougher when you look at the, the games they've had. Falkirk and a Queen's Park side that have come up, who many teams will be fancying to really push on and, and challenge for back-to-back promotion from League One. So I, I'm not surprised to see one point out of six, uh, but certainly Fraser Fivey's red card is that moment of madness, as Paul Hartley called it. And you just can't have that against the teams who are your, going to be your main rivals. East Fife this weekend represents a chance to get going again. I, I think that's how you have to look at it. Those two games are gone. We need to just write them off, start again and and go again, basically. But Darren Young's team are, are no mugs. So I, I, I'm not offering any guarantees of a Cove Rangers win. It's still going to be a tough match this weekend.
0: Okay, we'll see how they get on. Um, Falkirk. 2, Peterhead 1 was the other result in League 1 involving one of our teams that's that's a hard place to go for a, a part-time team like Peterhead to full-time Falkirk, another one of those sides that we expect to be up there in League 1 this season I mean, realistically Falkirk should have been out of this division by now given what happened last season and thrown away the title basically um, but David Nicholls thought that the assistant at Pierhead thought that there should have been a penalty awarded to his side pretty early on after Josh Mulligan was bundled to the floor by home midfielder Leon McCann, but it wasn't given by the referee and he cited that as a sign of the, the fine margins that sometimes um that are sometimes there in football games. Craig McGuffey would go on a head the home side in front before Paul Dixon Smashed home um, on the turn from a corner. It was a pretty pretty good finish. If you haven't seen it, Jordan Brown managed to net a consolation late on for Peterhead, but it wasn't enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not a game, is it, that Peterhead need to win uh, this season if they're going to achieve their aims? They don't necessarily need to be beating teams like Falkirk away from home, but a, a point would have been a point would have been a good result for them. Um, I, I don't think they can be too downhearted at this stage of the season, can they?
1: I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I keep going back to I've only actually seen Peterhead once and it was against Hearts, and they and the, the competed really well against the Jambos, who, as we can see, are riding high at the top of the Premiership so far. Um, Jim McAnally is uh, the wily old veteran of, of the Blue Toon and I'm sure they'll be absolutely fine. One win, one defeat so far. It's, it's, it's not unexpected. I, I think Falkirk away is going to be tough for every club in the division. And if they're coming away feeling hard done by and they could have got a point, then I, th- I think that represents a a decent uh, state of w- where they're feeling they are at the minute.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that opening day win against Aloha I think was huge for them. Um because it you know kind of takes the the pressure of that that weight that you can potentially face at the start of a season. Um, you know, if you're you're looking at your opening two games against a, a relegated team that are looking to to come straight back up again, uh, as well as a, a Falkirk side who are, you know, forever tipped to, to to finally go up again, then, you know, you're tempted to think that you might be in for a, a you know, a very difficult task in trying to, to get anything on the board. But, you know, to to have a, a tally of three points out of six is certainly no no uh, disaster at all. And I think, you know, they'll be looking to try and, you know, consolidate that when they, they come up against Montrose, who are also a team that will have playoff off uh, aspirations themselves
0: the Montrose game another part-time opponent those are the those are the games they should be targeting I think um, down in League 2 another uh, another bad day for Elgin City this weekend um, or last weekend should I say against Cowden Beath uh, they conceded two early pens Elgin I think there's no denying that was their undoing um, it looked to me like pretty clumsy defending from first of all Ewan Spark who took down Liam Buchanan And then Archie McPhee committed a foul not long after, which um, gave, I think, Buchanan his chance to score a second from the spot. Um, Elgin did get a goal back before the break. Um, Daryl McHardy scoring um, after the ball been knocked down from a corner, I think, or from a cross. And then another slow start after the break, something Gavin Price has bemoaned, uh, saw uh, Kyron Beath restore their two-goal advantage. I I mean, the, it seems it seems simple, doesn't it, that Elgin just need to learn to start start halves of football
3: quicker. Yeah, I mean, Gavin Price, the Elgin boss, was saying that they're playing in, in patches right now and, and that's something that's concerning them. Yeah, they really need to piece together these um, spells that they have in matches and put in complete performances and then then he'll be uh, confident that they can get results. So, yeah, a disappointing start with only one point on the board in, in League 2 and... Um, He mentioned Darren McCarty, who's uh, obviously a defender who's chipped in with a couple of goals. And while those goals are welcome, he did say that defenders first and foremost must defend. And um, uh, he's just um, uh, wanting his maybe front men to be firing a little bit more. I think there were opportunities in both games for uh, that to happen. uh, And it didn't. So there's a real frustration there for Elgin, who... um, on, uh, as we re- record this, but on Tuesday night they're down at, uh, in Edinburgh to face the, the Hibs uh, Colts in the in the Trust Cup, so SPFL Trust Cup. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what, what happens. They've got Albion Rovers this weekend. I'm heading through to Borough Bur- Briggs for that one and um, I think Albion are a side who They got off to a winning start but then they needed a last-minute goal at the weekend even to, to salvage a point. So I, I think there'll be a real confidence, I think, tonight uh, against a team that... Um, it should be a good match for them, and the, the Hibs youngsters, uh, Ken Hester, spoke about that. He thinks it will be a close tie in, in Edinburgh. But um, but uh, going back to the, the league game this weekend, they, they need to get a win on the board because Elgin, after two third-place finishes, really have to start. It's very early in the season, but they really have to be uh, building up the victories to to get up there. I think everyone expects Kelty Hearts to run away with this league. it saw Kelty Hearts impress at Elgin not that long ago in, in the Cup. So I think um, um, it is just about putting the complete performances together. And uh, I, I think Elgin really should be in, in the top four come the end of the season. But other teams have improved. I look at Sterling Albion, who just missed out in the playoffs last year. I saw them at Inverness recently and was impressed by them. And, um, you know, Cowdenbeath are a side who have just um, taken care of Elgin as well. So there's two examples of teams that have recruited well this summer so, um, yeah, early concerns for Gavin Price, but I, I think uh, the win is coming and hopefully this weekend. I
2: mean, if, you're, if you are Gavin Price and you're, you're you know, looking to try and you know, get that first win of the season, I think the one thing that will give him a bit of encouragement or, or solace maybe is the fact that you know, he, he does have a group of players there that he, he trusts and knows. Um, it's, it's very much the core of the, the Elgin side that has been there for a number of years now he's made a couple of additions but you know it's no full scale rebuild that he's had to do so you know he's not having to persevere too much with with players that he's still getting to know um and i think you know based on the fact that some of these players have delivered fantastic things for him in the in the past he'll be confident that you know this uh, wait for a, a league victory won't last too long it certainly goes down as a, a big opportunity for them at home against Albion Rovers this weekend but as Paul mentions, that cup tie against Hibbs Colts tonight could just be a, a psychological boost if they can, uh, you know, come out on top in that one, just to to take them into that uh, that that league game with a bit of uh, a bit of confidence behind them.
0: Yep, worth mentioning the other Challenge Cup ties we've got. Involving teams from our neck of the woods as well. Um, Fraserburgh against Cowdenbeath. Brora Rangers against Aberdeen Reserves this evening as well. We've mentioned Elgin and we've also got Forfar Athletic against Martin United tomorrow night. We've got Breakin City against Bucky Thistle in an All-Highland League clash. And we've also got Peterhead in action away at Dundee, Dundee B, a game that I understand Peterhead aren't particularly... Um, happy that they're having to play on on Wednesday and at the venue that they're having to play it at but um, I suppose that's the Challenge Cup for you uh, anyway I think that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal, as I've said the last few episodes, if you want the latest Highland League news you can watch our Highland League weekly show that's available on the Press and Journal website thanks to Paul Third, Andy Skinner and Paul Chalk for joining me today, cheers guys
1: you're welcome thanks Ryan thanks very
2: much
0: if you've enjoyed this episode you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app and finally enjoy whichever game you're going to this weekend hope you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.